Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Ask Geeks Podcast. I'm your host, Adrian, and as you already know, we back, we better, we getting back to it. Man, I'm sorry, it's been a while, you know, like I told y'all last episode, this took way longer than I thought it was going to be. This took a lot, lot longer. This... This whole mood, this whole setting up, everything. I just got my setup set up. And so the episodes are going to come back. Probably not going to be as frequent. I think I talked last time. I said we're going to be doing, remember, we're going to be doing everyday episodes. We're going to do daily episodes. But and just to make sure we get better quality over quantity, I think we're going to go back down the three episodes a um, week barring um, what's called the NBA games because the finals are happening right now. We are going to come back and talk about the finals on episode three. Um, on game three, we're going to come back and we're going to that's when we're going to pick back up on the finals. We're going to discuss things, but I didn't want to before that because I've already missed two episodes for game one and two. I don't want to just come out here and just give a recap right there. I'd rather do it right after the game. So Right now, I'm going to bring y'all this e- this really, really, really late mock draft episode. Um, I said I was going to bring y'all this mock draft episode so, so long ago, and it just, just hasn't happened. I haven't had, um, I wouldn't say I don't have had the time because I've had the time. I just haven't had the time to record it. So every time I'm about to record it, um, we were doing daily episodes already, so that made it tough to do these uh this mock draft. But now that we have the order, we can go ahead and go through it. So with the first pick of you know what, let me do this right. Rewind this. With the first pick of the 2022 NBA draft. The Orlando Magic select Jabari Smith Jr. out of Auburn University. That's who I'm going with. 6'10-4-7-1 wingspan. Instant offense. That is who I ideally believe the Orlando Magic should take. I understand the um a lot of people with uh they should take Chet Homer. Because he fits their style of, you know, tall, long defenders. But I feel like the Orlando Magic already have enough of those. They got Franz Wagner. They got um, Wendell Carter Jr. They have um, Jonathan Isaac. They have quite a bit of defense and length on the team already. What they need is a primary scorer on this team. So if the Magic decide that, hey, let's say Jabari Smith goes out there and his workout isn't the best, then I'm taking Ben Chero. That's the only other person I'm taking. I'm not taking Chet here. I'm only taking Jabari Smith or Ben Chero. Those are the only two people I'm looking at. Jabari Smith is, like I already said, instant offense, elite scoring and shot creating. He shot uh, roughly 42% from the three on five and a half attempts a game. He can be versatile on defense, so he still fits that Orlando Magic scheme because, you know, he's 6'10 with the 7'1 wingspan. He doesn't have 
the largest wingspan. He doesn't have the greatest defensive tools. However, he can still be a good defender at 6'10 with a 7'1 wingspan. Um, I think this can work out because the Orlando Magic can be similar to the Cleveland Cavaliers, only have better shooting. Because if you throw out a lineup with, you keep Wendell Carter Jr. at the center, you keep Franz right there, Jonathan Isaac comes back, and you have Jabari Smith on the court at the same time, that is a long, long athletic lineup. And you don't have to worry about because Jonathan Isaac can guard guards. So you don't have to worry about it right there. Whether you put, if Suggs develops how he's supposed to, having Suggs come back as the point guard instead of Cole Anthony, so you have that defense. Oh, my goodness. Or Markel Fultz. Markel Fultz come back. And Markel Fultz bounces back from that injury. I know he came back um, last year, but if he bounces back fully from the injury, you have Markel Fultz there. Oh, my God, because Marco Fultz has a large wingspan as well. Y'all, the Orlando Magic can have a really, really good defense while still having really good scores. Hey, don't get me wrong. Cole Anthony is a good scorer. But I don't think Cole Anthony's ceiling is as high, obviously, as Jabari Smith. So if I had to go with a choice, I'm picking Jabari Smith to be my number one scorer. And then we just figure out everything else. The Orlando Magic have a lot to figure out. They still have to figure out um, what they want to do with Lopez, with Gary Harris, and Terrence Ross, since they still have them. But I think right now what they should be focusing on is Javari Smith and building around a team centered as Javari Smith as the one, and then keeping Fultz there, Franz Wagner there, Suggs, Cole Anthony, and Wendell Carter. I think Cole Anthony would be ideal as a six-man, instant offense, good score, not going to really play the greatest defense, not the most consistent, and not the um, best playmaker, but he's going to come in there, play that Jamal Crawford, Jordan, um, what's called Jordan Clarkson kind of role. That, I feel like that's the best role to have him in, and have Cole Anthony as your back point guard coming in there for instant offense. I feel like that's ideal, in my opinion. I feel like that's the best best you could possibly do. And I think, like I said, that lineup with um, Isaac, Jonathan Isaac still there. If they choose to go away from Isaac, this also works because if you move to go away from Isaac and you just have um, Suggs and Fultz as that one and two combo, that also works because you can get a lot from Jonathan Isaac. Um, Jonathan Isaac hasn't been healthy in the past couple years, so I can understand them going away from him, and then you just using Jabari Smith Jr. to replace them. So that's what I have at the number one pick. At the number two pick, I have OKC taking Chet Holmgren. If Chet is my Jalen Green of this draft, he's easily my favorite player of this draft. I have been very open about that. I was very open about it last year. Because coming out of high school, I was very high on Chet. And I know everybody else was telling me, yes, Chet is cool. But the real thing is going to be next draft because we're going to have Imani. And I'm not going to lie to you guys. Um, excuse me. Imani, I wasn't the biggest fan of Imani. I watched Chet and Imani play in high school. I watched them play in that tournament. And play against each other. And I know Imani still has some good stats. But he didn't look good in that game. And Chet looked amazing. And then I see Chet and Gonzaga. He looks good. 
Um, I still see Iman. He doesn't look that great to me. So I was like, nah, Chet is the real deal. And I've been saying that for a while. And lots of people have been slandering for me for my opinion regarding Chet. Because I was like, Chet, I feel like, will be a all-time great defender. I see him doing similar things to what Evan Mobley did. Um, he needs time to develop and put weight on, though. That's the only problem. He's going to need that time to put weight on. That's why I feel like OKC is the best place for him to go. You have a defensive big, and I know you have Poku or whatever, but come on now. Like, the Poku hypes, is, is, it was cute, but time to move on past that. Um, Chet obviously is the better player. He's the more NBA-ready player, and he just needs to put weight on. His defense is already spectacular. He, he can stretch the floor um, a solid bit. He just needs to, like I said, put weight on and get time to just refine his tools. Excuse me. So, um, I'm sorry. As y'all know on this, my allergies always act up. And now that my setup going back and I got my mic back, excuse this and everything um but they have two young guards to make his life easier already they have shay and giddy shay and giddy are gonna he doesn't have to worry about creating he can be in a similar situation as like early on deandre ayton where deandre ayton with the sons are basically like hey we don't want you to do too much just focus on x y and z and don't try to do too much. He can be in a similar situation as that because Giddy and SGA are going to set him up for easy shots. Chet's not going to really have to create. He's going to run some pick and rolls or the defense is going to be um, focusing on them. And then they can just dish it off because they're both really good passers. He also has strong defenders such as Kenrich Williams, who I love, and Lou Dort. And so he can be the opposite of, like, the jazz system to where people aren't going to be able to just attack him. Yes, he's a young defensive center, but the OKC Thunder are young, but they have a lot of good defenders around them to where they're not going to be able to just go at Chet's neck, like, relentlessly. Chet's going to be there, and he can play great help defense and play um, solid post defense, but at the same time, he's not going to have to worry about people just walking past their matchup and just getting free lanes to the rim and just going at him constantly because he's going to be there to take care of it. So you have you have that, which is a great thing as well. So I think OKC is the perfect spot for Chet. I mean, um, for Chet because like there's there's no other like like I said, he has the time to put on weight because they're not in a rush to try to win. He got defensive guards so that he can focus on other tools and just be like they don't have to go at his neck. And he doesn't have to worry about creation. He can pick and roll, pick and pop, shot 39% from the three. Not the greatest volume, but still shot 39% from the three. And I just think it works out for them. I just think it works out for them. They need to move on from Derek Favors anyway. And Poku isn't like, like I said, the Poku hype. It's time, it's time to move past that. So I think this is the best spot for Chet to go to. Next is three. And, man, y'all know if I wasn't a Celtics fan, if I didn't grow up a Celtics fan, I would be a Houston Rockets fan. And it's only because I love some Jalen Green. Um, 
Jalen Green's already there. You already got the key players of Jalen Green, KPJ, and Singun. I think those are the, basically the three people they're going to try to build around for the most part. Yes, I know they got plenty of other young guys as well, but I think those are the three like key guys. Um, I want Usman Garuba to also be a part of that, but I'm not sure where he's going to fit in yet because he didn't really get much run last year. You know, he came over late. He didn't He didn't really show too many flashes, but I hope he makes that next step, and that can be um, – he can be the four move Bancaro. Well, I think Bancaro will be the four and move Usman to that small ball five, but we'll have to see how it goes. Um, anything you know about Bancaro, 6'10", you know, forward out of Duke. We saw what he could do. We saw how amazing he was off the low block and at the elbow, uh, facing up and just scoring at will. He's one of the few people that in college showcased a mid-range game consistently. And I know even in college, they're going away from the mid-range game because they're trying to get these players ready for the NBA. And we know the mid-range game is just ineffective at this point. It's not ineffective. It's just it's just you have to shoot a very high percentage from the mid-range to justify not shooting a three. But at the same time, math is math and numbers are numbers. But when you get on that court, you have to take the best shot available. So I don't care if you're a 40% mid-range shooter and analytics say that's a bad shot. Because if they're playing you for your three, but then you also have somebody playing drop coverage to where they're not guarding you um, for that mid-range, if you stop and pop that mid-range, it's just wonderful. You have to have to have mid-range shot. If you don't have that shot because you're like, oh, it's ineffective, I would never use it because why not just shoot a three? You can't always get a three. You can't always get a layup. So Ben, ben Carroll is one of the few people that, had, that showed that elite mid-range game. Um, very good ISO scorer, is a phenomenal playmaker, can pass out of the post, can make plays, can make some good, solid passes. Um, he looks like he's going to be more of a scorer, but don't be surprised. I mean, we all see he's a good playmaker. I don't see them turning him into a point four style, but I also wouldn't put it against them to put it into a point four style. Um, hey. At his best, like I said, that, that's his best. at his best, he can develop into a point forward type player that can score on all three levels. So imagine, I know they, we always get one of those Ben Simmons comparisons. We got it last year with Scotty Barnes, and Scotty Barnes looked amazing. This year we're getting it with Ben Carroll, but Ben Simmons' playmaking at 6'10", without the elite defense coming out, but with a much, much better offense so where i see smith and chet being the most more dominant two-way players of the draft like this just solid two ways i see ben carroll being the most all-around complete player i don't know if jabari and chet develop into a playmaker such as ben carroll so that's what i'm saying they got yes they have um, what's called the better defense, but Ben Carroll can develop that defense, and we might see him. He's gonna need to play more defense because he's gonna be beside Jalen Green. He's gonna be beside KPJ and Singu, who also aren't the best defenders, but also not the best playmakers. So, him playing that point forward style should work out well for him there. So, we're gonna do two more picks, and then we're gonna take a quick break. So, 
at the number four pick, I have the Sacramento Kings, the franchise that shouldn't be um, taking Keegan Murray. The 6-9 for, you know, we'll see how this goes. We'll see how this goes. Um, I, I think I can honestly see them trading this pick because, yes, y'all might call me crazy if you're like, well, Shaden Sharp's there, Jaden Ivey's there. You have all these elite guards, but they're trying to win now. And that was evident with them picking up Sabonis last year. If they're trying to win now, that means if you look on paper, their their key players are De'Aaron Fox, Sabonis, Davion Mitchell, and Harrison Barnes. It is very, very, very tough to justify taking another young guard to pair along with your already you already have a solid point guard, and you drafted a point guard last year. To take another guard when you just traded Tyrese, if the Kings did that, they would be clowns. They would 100% be clowns. They need somebody to take over that other forward position so that they can try to win now. And yes, Jaden Ivey might have the better ceiling. Yes, Shaden Sharp might have the better ceiling. However, you have if you're trying to win now, you have to draft, and I think the Kings should draft based off of fit and need. And that's only because they already are stacked at the guard spot and they're trying to win now with this bonus trade. If they didn't draft a guard last year, if they didn't draft Davion last year, then I'd be like, hey, let's go ahead and take this guard. Let's see how it works. We can try to move on from Fox because it's obviously not working. Keep Halliburton in, either pair him along with one of these two, but that's not what happened. So with the cards we've been dealt, this, in my opinion, is the best overall pick. Keegan Murray was a versatile scorer. He can space and place. He can play small ball five or the power four. So that's why I like him here because Sabonis can play that small. Sabonis isn't the biggest five, but he can play. But he obviously would be playing the five here. Um, keep having a big that can play the four or the five. So when Sabonis goes out, you just sub him in there. That can work. You also need a power four slash that can score and shoot. With Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox, I can get to the best. You need somebody that can space the floor out. So, him shooting 39, almost 40% from three last year, that works out perfectly. Um, He averaged almost two blocks a game, but that's kind of the stats. His defense could definitely show some improvement. Could be a solid 3MD player, and I see him in this role, being able to just focus, not having to focus on trying to be a versatile scorer, focusing on anything else, can sit there and focus on just catch and shoot three-pointers and playing solid defense. I think that that's going to improve his defense a lot with him having a reduced role. Um, I think at worst-case scenario, his floor is a Cam Johnson. Um, there, Like I said, there's plenty of better players with higher upsides, but Sacramento is trying to win now. And if they're trying to win now, this is the best possible player to take. With the number five pick, I have Detroit giving up Killian Hayes and going ahead and moving on to the future and taking Jaden Ivey. The 6'4 point guard, 
69 wingspan sophomore. Man, it's going to get spooky out here. It's going to get spooky out here, man. Y'all let Cade and Jaden Ivy, um, what's called, pair up, which looking like this, unless Jaden Ivy jumps up to the top three, I see Jaden Ivy going all the way to Detroit or Sacramento trades their pick away. Then Jaden Ivy looks like he's going to be going to Detroit. And if he does, man, 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 and man, got an explosive guard to care, pair with K. Um, and Killian Hayes hasn't obviously worked out, so I think it's time to move off for him. Go ahead and move over to the future, and I think Jaden Ivey is that future. He's talented enough to go top four, but fit-wise, this is probably where he's going to um, land. It goes – that's just usually how it goes, too. You might – some teams might – if the Kings weren't trying to win now, it'd just be like, draft the best player available. We'll figure it out later. But since they're trying to win now, that's the only problem with them. Um Detroit better pray, be to pray nobody trades that Kings pick and doesn't like try to jump ahead of them, because this man is an elite, and I mean elite athlete with the tools to become a good defender, actually an elite defender, because there's no reason athletes like this shouldn't be good defenders. Like we see it with Wiggins now with Golden State, for the longest time he wasn't a good defender. He moves to Golden State. He's all he all of a sudden starts putting more effort defensively, and he's a really really good defender. I hate when I see players like Ja Morant and players such as that that don't give effort on the defensive side and don't play defense when you have all the tools and you're one of the best athletes in the league. There's you have the speed, the quickness, the lateral quickness, the vertical everything to be a great defender and you just choose not to be a good defender so that's what i'm saying he has the tools to be an elite defender. we don't know if he will but we have the tools Jaden ivy he's a he's a really good scorer he can play the the one or the two but we're probably gonna have him at the point guard and have Cade at the two because Cade at the two works perfectly because Cade is an elite playmaker and can play the one or two because he's such a good shooter. He can catch and shoot. He can do everything. And with him being able to space the floor, that's going to just create plenty of lanes for Jaden Ivey. So I think this is just a no-brainer with Jaden Ivey at the number five pick. And we are going to take a short break and be right back.
So let's go ahead and go with number six. And we got the Indiana Pacers. We already know we got Chris Duarte. We got Tyrese Halliburton. They try to move Brogdon, um, what's called Bubble Jordan, Buddy Hield, and Miles Turner. So since this team is obviously trying to make them trades, trying to hit the reset button, which is perfect, I have them taking a flyer out here. We all know Shaden Sharp. He didn't play. He didn't do what he like. We didn't really get to see what he was able to do. All the high, all the um film and the highlights we got to go based off of is his high school. But that boy was still a dog. We saw him at his little pro. Like whenever they came out there and everything at the combine, he looked amazing. He looked really good. I see them taking Shaden Sharp. This is purely, purely, purely a potential pick. He has superstar potential. But the risk of him busting and flaming out, just like they're they're just as high. The potential of him like flaming out are just as high as his um, potential is booming because we don't know what we're gonna see. Yes, you can give those workouts all you can. You can go workouts, you can go practice, you can do everything else and be in training and get as much workout. But we don't know what's gonna be until you go into that live competition. You can be the greatest practice player ever. But until we get out there and see you out there on the court, we never know what can happen. Anything can happen. Anything's possible. Um, we didn't get to see you in college. We didn't get to see you here and there. We never know. We've seen plenty of players dominate. Excuse me again. Dominate in high school. Not look great in college, but then also still dominate in the NBA. We've seen players look bad in high school, dominate in college, and then dominate in the NBA. Same thing. Look good high school, look of it dominating college, and then flame out in the NBA. We've seen all of it. So um, I know people are like, oh, blah, blah, blah. But everybody everybody always says there's a surefire. There's always players that are like, oh, these are surefire players. And then they don't pan out. And then we'll be like, oh, well, we this, this, and that. That's what I'm saying. So, hey, if there's anybody, like I said, his potential of booming is just as high as his potential of busting. Um, we'll see how this goes for him. Uh, I'm praying that everything goes well for uh, Shaden Sharp. And, I, I mean, elite athleticism, shooting, shot creation, a 6'6 guard was supposed to be playing for Kentucky. We're going to see how Indiana does with it. I have them taking him because I feel like that's the best possible spot for him to go. We're going to see how it goes, though. That I feel like they'd be fooled if they were to let him go any further. Um, next, we have Portland. Uh, going here, and I have them taking the six seven guard slash forward out of Duke. I have them taking AJ Griffin, six seven with a seven foot wingspan. This is very very similar to my um Keegan Murray pick. Uh, he shot just under forty five percent from three. The boy got that drop on him. He you know he provides a big guard that can stretch the floor and provide size and play defense. He's like he's still young enough at the same time, so you can bang on his potential. So the Blazers can play it on the safe side and also get somebody that can contribute right away while building towards their future. So it's like, hey, you can be here for the future, but you can also contribute right away. They already have Dames and Simons, and they're looking to make um a big move this free agency. I feel like they're gonna have to give up this pick to make that big move. But if they don't, 
I feel if they don't make a move on draft night, I feel they should go AJ Griffin just to play it on the safe side because regardless of where you trade that pick, any team can um like any team can make room for a big guard slash big forward that can play three that can, can be a three and D player. Three and D players are commodity and they're very valued in the NBA. So getting another three and D player that can potentially be more. Hey, hey, I, I I say this is a no brainer with the um, what's called the Pelicans. I haven't taken Benedict, the six six shooting guard, out of Arizona. Um, another plug and play type of player that could come in and immediately provide a three point shooting as well as his defense. Uh, as you see, we were having quite a few three and D players. Just I know everybody was talking about oh, just like last year. But last year was a good draft. People were talking about, oh, outside of the top, like, five, everybody else is going to be, like, excellent. See, it's, like, top-heavy. They said the same thing about this one. This is top-heavy. But I'm seeing a lot of 3 and D. I saw a lot of 3 and D players that's like, hey, yo, if these players, like, if things happen right, say no 2013, there's not no anything like that. This is a solid draft. I don't think we're going to see any more, like, 2013s or any of those bad draft classes to where because I think players are just constantly getting better to the point where it's like hey at the worst case scenario you're going to be you have the all-star potential with being starter potential because everybody where they're guarding forwards they're so skilled nowadays that it's going to be hard to get those bad draft classes so I have them like another 3D player who can shoot and can be basically you're basically giving the Pelicans another Herb Jones. And I know that's a bold take, especially after we saw what Herb Jones could do. This. They got somebody that can be another Herb Jones. And with Zion coming back healthy, you're going to have CJ, B.I., Herb, and Zion. And we're trying to figure out what to do with Devontae Graham. You had CJ playing point guard last year. If Benedict can develop, and you put him up there right beside Herb, and you have a defense like that? Sheesh. Sheesh. Imagine best case scenario, two Herb Joneses. Yeah, it's a wrap. Uh, the San Antonio Spurs, I'm t- having them taking Dwight Howard Light and Jalen Duran from Memphis, the 6'11 big man with the 7'5 wingspan who was looking like an absolute beast. His vertical is crazy. His physical tools are amazing. Um, like I said, Dwight Howard is making a return to the NBA, and his name is Jalen Durant. Prime Dwight Howard. The Spurs have already have a good paint protector in Yaka Portal, but they can have an elite paint protector as well as an elite shot blocker. Because Portal, or like Yaka, he he he's a like I said, elite paint protector. There's always like I've always said, there's always a difference between paint protectors and rim protectors. And Yaka is a good paint protector. Jalen Durant can be both. Um, the Spurs, like, the Spurs team has the pieces already with Keldon and DJ. And if they can make it a big three with um, Jalen Durant, then it can be elite. I see them trying to move on from Yaka. Um, they didn't really play Primo much, so they can patch it. If they want to see what Primo develops into, or if they want to package Primo and Jakob, because there's going to be a lot of suitors for Jakob, pair them alongside each other to go get another, like another, like role player that can fit alongside these guys. 
I feel that would be the most ideal. He has plenty of rim protect um, pressure as elite lob threat as well because Jakob didn't for he didn't he didn't provide that elite rim pressure whereas he does. Like this this can work out. Um, he also has a proven post game. He's a willing passer. Everything just looks like Jalen Durant is the ideal spot for the San Antonio Spurs. Um, next, we have the Washington Wizards, and I have them taking the Australian um, point guard from the G League Ignite, um, Dyson Daniels. Dyson Daniels is a versatile, what's called, defender. He's a good playmaker, and that's basically like what else is needed. We know what the Wizards like. The Wizards usually like to take a chance on these foreign prospects and everything. And the Wizards need a playmaker. They already have Kispert. They have Denny. They have Rui. They have Kuz, who looks potentially gonna, like he's potentially going to be traded. They have um, KP. They have Bill if he comes back and signs that Supermax, which I don't think they should. They should just go ahead and hit that restart button, move Kuz, move um, let's call Bill, and then see what you have with Rui, Denny, and Kispert. You have Dyson Daniel who can be a good playmaker, but can also just be on a wing and just be a, a scorer. He can he can fit multiple roles for here on this Wizards team. The Wizards team are in need of a point guard, and with this selection, they only not they only not only get a big point guard. Like they got a big point that can that can switch on to one through three, maybe some small ball fours. But with the game today. There's not too many like legit fours out there, so he can possibly switch one through four. He doesn't have the greatest wingspan, but he has that hustle to play the defense. And hey, hey, you're adding a new element that can play on both sides of the floor. What else? What what more do you need? What more do you need? He's not the greatest athlete or the sexiest player. However, he can potentially bring a lot to this Wizards squad. And again, we know how the Wizards like the foreign prospects. Um, next, we have New York. They already have RJ and Obi. They need to go ahead and move Julius Randle and Mitch. And because I'm like, hey, let's just go ahead and move around with RJ and Obi. I have them taking Johnny Davis from Wisconsin. Yes, you're like, oh, why do you have them taking another guard? And it's like, hey, why would you put Davis there when they already have Barrett there? And But the Knicks need more offense. And um, what's called Davis can provide that. Barrett was showing flashes that he's gonna he can be a really good defender in the, in the future. He showed that last year. He showcased that last year. And if he can continue to improve as a defender, you can move. Um, what's truly the difference between a shooting guard and a small four in the league today, anyway? So you can have Johnny Davis and RJ Barrett right be right there at the two and three, and it just worked out perfectly fine with them. Um, Johnny Davis isn't a natural playmaker, so his fit alongside Barrett could be weird because he's more just a um a score and with Randall there the spacing could be awkward that's why I'm like hey let's see let's that's something this is with them moving I have them taking this pick if they're moving Randall um the lack of three attempts is concerning for a guard in this day and age but I mean I don't I don't really like any other player fitting here alongside of RJ really because I said they need scoring and just to have an elite slasher and mid-range score to pair alongside with RJ and Obi, I think this would just be a solid pick here. I just feel like this is a this is the best possible pick for them. 
if they're moving off for Julius Randle. If they're keeping Julius Randle, then I can see them moving on and going a different way. Maybe taking Jeremy Sochan or something like that. Like, something like that. I don't know. We'll see. We'll have to just see how it goes. Um, Next, I have OKC taking Jeremy, the one I was just talking about right there, uh, at a 6A uh, power forward out of Baylor. Uh, the Thunder, they've been going off potential, but in the long run, you need glue guys, and they have a lot of glue guys already with um, Kenridge, Favors, Lou Dort is older, let's not forget that, even though he's really good, he is older. The Thunder have a lot, and a lot, like you have man, you have, golly, the Thunder have a lot of young guys, and it's about that time where it's like, hey, we got to figure out who's for the future and who we can move on for. You can't sit there and try to develop everybody as much as you want to because eventually you're going to have to start paying people. Contracts need to get done. So you're like, hey, we picked you to be um, like somebody that's going to boom and you're not developing. It's time to move on. You have other players, like I said, you have glue guys. You're like, hey, you're going to be a glue guy. You can be solid. We're going to keep you around. Jeremy's a glue guy that you want You you want to keep around. Like he had a late rise and this makes him ideal for this spot. Uh, they already have plenty of length. Their point guard with SGA is 6'6". Or if you want to put SGA as shooting guard, put Giddy at the point guard who's 6'8". And they can be solid. So you have big guards right there. You have, already have solid defenders in Lou Dort. And you already have another uh, solid defender at the back, which I'm taking, which me having them take Chet earlier. I think he's the best fit right here to go alongside in the plugging in that four spot. And adding one of the top athletes in the draft that can play small ball five, as well as guard forwards and wings, that's just that's just that's just wonderful. Like y'all just having another defensive identity, and the Thunder will look so amazing defensively. It's just gonna be crazy. He has high defense IQ, a high motor, and that shows you great signs. Because you you always you I know people talk about motor, and that's one of the intangible things that you can't really measure, but that's important. Because if you if you have a low motor motor or a small motor, but you're elite, then it doesn't matter to me. Because I need that high motor. I need excuse me. I need you to keep going on 100 at all times. He has to work on his jumper, but with the Thunder, he has time to develop that jumper and work on that jumper. He really just gonna need to come out there and be defensive. And the Thunder already have defensive guards. They already have a defensive center now, and just to put him right there. With him just being like, hey, go play defense. Do what you do. And we'll work on your jumper as it goes. I think he's a perfect fit here. Um, next, I have Charlotte taking Mark Williams out of Duke. And Mark Williams is another one that's just his physical tools were just amazing. Um, they already have LaMelo. We got to see more of Book Night this year. And we got to figure out what they're doing with Miles Bridges and um, P.J. Washington. We also got to figure out what they're doing with Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward. Those, those obviously look like those might get moved as well. Charlotte clearly desires a big man. And even though they got one last year, I feel like they need to take another swing at the fences and try to just get one. They need that vertical lob threat. He's seven foot with a seven, seven wingspan. He's athletic. He can move. So, Hey, Hey, getting a defensive anchor because their perimeter defenders are non-existent just to have down there and clean up all the messes they have clean up and protect the paint, play that little, um, not as good as Rudy Gobert, obviously, but play that Rudy Gobert role where he's like, hey, just send everything to me. I'm going to send it away. 
also just being like, hey, I'm a lob threat, throw it up. LaMelo is a very, very, very willing passer and loves to throw the moves. And so you give him somebody that's seven foot with a seven, seven wingspan and can jump and get up there. I feel like this is a um, seamless fit. I feel like this is a seamless fit. He knows his role. At Duke, he played his role. He didn't try to do too much. He played this exact role. So why not just go ahead and plug and play him here? And lastly, we have Cleveland. And with Cleveland, I have him taking the Notre Dame point or Notre Dame guard, um, Blake Wesley. 6'5", 6'11", wings, man. You know, good fit. Uh Put him there. He can. He's a. He's a. What's called another ball handler and playmaker. He's a multi. I mean, I can't even speak right now. Multi positional defender that should fit seamlessly into Cleveland's scheme. You already have Bobley, Jared Allen. You have this great defense already. You put a defensive guard right there. Darius Garland's defense isn't the best. You put a defensive guard right there beside Darius Garland. Sheesh. That's going to be spooky. And we saw in the play-in, they need another playmaker. I know they didn't have Sexton, but I think it's time to move on from Sexton because you don't want two undersized small guards not really playing defense down there. Move on from Sexton, pick up Blake Wesley, let him um, develop, be that secondary playmaker, and be an elite defender right beside him. Hey, 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 I think... This is a match made in heaven. Regardless of anything that else that happens in these last other picks, Blake Wesley needs to be a Cleveland Cavalier. But anyways, that's another episode of the Ask Geeks podcast. Remember, you know, to like, give us a good rating, share with a friend. We're about to start. I'm telling y'all, we're about to do this quality over quantity. We're about to take another step. We're going to start getting some more unique takes. I know, like I said before, we're the ass geeks, and we're not really getting the geeks in here, getting no love. We're going to work on that. We're going to try to find some more people. We're still looking for people to come on and help alongside that geek narrative. Um, We still got to figure things out. I'm still going to be moving, so the episodes still aren't going to be the ass comment, but we're back. Just be ready. We're coming full circle. Let's go. And as always, as we always say here on the Ask Geeks podcast, always, always, always remember to respect women. But most importantly, remember to respect yourself. Because snipping ain't pimping. And we out.